Hey everyone! In case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy to follow Jesus in 2021. How can we stay grounded in our faith? Stay true to biblical convictions? And how can we become more like Christ and share Him with the world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome! And thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Real Christian Talk. And keeping it real and always being willing and able to talk about anything and everything that I believe in my heart must be addressed, must be talked about. Today we're going to be talking about whether the gospel of Jesus Christ has implications for race relations. Does the gospel have implications for racial injustice or for the need of racial reconciliation. These are things our society has been wrestling with and I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church that represents him is called to be the ultimate shining demonstration of the power of the healing and unity that comes through Jesus Christ. This week I wanted to read from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 13 through 16. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 13 through 16 which says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Paul goes on to say he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. And boy, could we use some peace in our world. Could we use some healing in our land? This past year, we have seen a lot, a lot, a lot of, of uh, tumultuous incidents, of, of uh, several cases of, of blatant racial injustice, uh, of a lot of protests, of a lot of riots, of a lot of horrible things that have been done. And we've also seen a lot of, of politicizing of, of you know the racial reckoning that America has been experiencing here over the course of the last year. And what seemed to set the spark and, and lit the fuse for this uh, this this year of, of a lot of social unrest was the death of George Floyd. And just today, as I'm recording this episode, uh, the world and, and, and the United States, you know, uh, the nation held its breath to see what verdict would be handed down in the uh, trial of Derek Chauvin, who was the police officer who uh, killed George Floyd, who murdered George, George Floyd. And he uh, was found guilty on all three charges. And, and I have to say, uh, you know, having been um, someone who's tried to pay attention to what goes on in the world around me, there was a lot of, of, of uh, anxiety in, in, in my own mind with how this was going to go down and how it was going to come back. I remember last year, during the year of, of, of all things tumultuous, 2020, when I watched the viral video of George Floyd's death. And George Floyd's death was such a blatant case 
of excessive use of force, of, of all the things which a lot of those who feel very strongly about racial injustice in America had a, had a video that, that certainly displayed uh, a blatant case of, of overreach. And seeing George Floyd on the ground with Derek Chauvin with his foot on the neck of George Floyd for over nine minutes when he was clearly not a threat whatsoever to to Derek Chauvin or any other police officer, uh, I think shocked all of us and was a stunning display of injustice, of racial injustice. And to say those two words together as an evangelical Christian, believe it or not, is is a bit difficult. It's a bit complicated how to address this uh, continuing issue that is dominating so much conversation. What was very clear from the video of Derek Chauvin, uh, you know, kneeling down on the neck of George Floyd, what was very clear when you watch that video, and it's very hard to watch, uh, aside from it being a, just a blatant case of, of such uh, overuse and, and, and injustice and, and, and yeah, murder, uh, what was clear is that George Floyd was not regarded as a human being. Uh, by Officer Chauvin. And that, uh, you know, is at the heart of, I think, something that's very important for all of us who know and follow Jesus Christ to affirm, and that is the worth, the dignity, and the sacredness of all human beings who are created in the image of God of all races, of all ethnicities. And that's such a simple biblical concept, a simple biblical truth. Uh, And yet it is very clear here in the United States of America, that this, the issue of race, continues to be a major problem in this country. Uh, we saw uh, Ahmoud Arbery, his case where, where he was, it was literally uh, gunned down just when he was going jogging in a neighborhood. Uh, it happened to be, you know, a white neighborhood. And I remember that case actually got gripped to me even more than Floyd, as bad as Floyd's was, uh, because at the time I was trying to jog more and, uh, I would, I would, you know, think to myself, you know, here I am, I'm personally, uh, a mixture ethnic wise of, of German, Irish and Colombian Cuban, but I never worry about, you know, being gunned down when I go for a jog. And so I can't fathom having to worry for my safety, uh, you know, when I'm just going for a jog. And, you know, that case just, it looked like when you when you look at that case, and there again was a video which showed the the, the chase and, and you can hear the gunshots. It, it sounded like an incident from the 1950s. And yet here it was, 2020 America, and it was happening in parts of this country. Um, things like that are still happening in the 21st century. And I think every American and particularly every Christian should be outraged that this continues to be a problem. Uh, There's been a huge rise in hate crimes over the last several years. There's been a huge rise, particularly with Asian Americans uh, going through a lot of, of, uh, you know, racism that they've been experiencing being scapegoated and blamed for the coronavirus you know just a month or so ago uh, i remember being shocked at the the video of of an elderly asian woman who was heading to a church service in new york city when uh, a man ran up to her and just knocked her down and started kicking her 
for no reason. This should not be happening in the United States of America. And this country, which I love, has always struggled to live up to its ideals, particularly the implications that its ideals have for race and for racial relations and and for equality and for the idea that all human beings have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness because we've been endowed by our creator with those rights. And like it or not, America from slavery to the Civil War, to Jim Crow, to segregation, and even now, yes, to continuing to still deal with racism and still deal with incidents of racial injustice, there is no doubt that we have not gotten past this issue. Now, I do believe that America has made a lot of progress on the issue of race. I do believe that our country has come a very long way. But I do believe that we cannot pretend that this is not still a problem. And as a Christian, as someone who, you know, believes in the Bible and and who follows Jesus Christ, you know, I have been really concerned uh, at seeing over, especially the course of the last year, more and more the divide between white and black Christians. Um, you know, I've, I've read different articles that have showed that a lot of black Christians have been leaving um, evangelical churches that have, you know, a large white population. And, and the divide seems to be primarily over politics and over, you know, uh, lenses through which we view the issue of race. Now, the other thing that is a problem whenever one uh, like myself tries to address this topic is, that there seems to be no way in which you can do so in a balanced, measured, and biblical way. Um, You know, like, if you listen to this podcast for long enough, I'm sure I'm going to say things that may come across as as too moderate uh, on certain issues, perhaps even, you know, race, uh, for some of you to stomach. But then I'm going to say a lot of things that are too conservative for for others to stomach. And and the truth is that, you know, that's why I believe that to be a true evangelical uh, Bible-believing Christian, you cannot be put in a box with either the political right or the political left. Because the gospel's above all that, and because the gospel has implications that touch on all manner of issues. And what I notice is that Christians uh, can be, and not just Christians, but people in general can be very selective in their moral outrage. They're very selective in, you know, in violence and who commits violence and when violence gets condemned, when it's being perpetrated by one group versus another group or, 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 you know, um, you know, being silent about certain topics, but being outspoken about others. But I believe as a Christian that anytime something in our society, some issue collides with my faith, I have a moral and biblical obligation in living out my faith to help address those issues that need addressing and to respond to them. And the Bible is littered with examples commending us to uh, live out justly and to and to help combat any kind of injustices that we do see happening, and to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to look out for those who are less fortunate. And to make those statements does not mean that I'm on board with with the woke movement, or does not mean that I'm on board with with, uh, anything that calls for defunding the police or, or, or for anything else. I just believe as a Christian who follows the Bible that anytime there's some blatant miscarriage of of 
justice or there's some kind of, of moral wrong or, or there's some kind of societal problem, yeah, I believe as a Christian, we're called to be the salt of the earth. And so as such, I do believe that you know, uh, we have an opportunity again to stick out and to uh, to live out the implications of the gospel and what it has for racial reconciliation. I also just want to go on the record and just state very clearly that I, for one, uh, you know, I love you know anyone who's serving in law enforcement. I have the utmost respect for anyone who's serving in law enforcement. And one of the things I don't like uh, with this particular issue again is the extreme positions that are being that are being taken on it, and that you're either on the side of combating racial injustice. Or you're on the side of the police. You know, I, for one, uh, I believe that that the majority of those who serve in uniform uh, do so admirably, do so, uh, you know, selflessly. But I also believe that racial injustice is still a reality in the United States of America and in some parts of the country, particularly more than others. And I think that as a Christian, uh, we should be willing to, you know, address this this issue and. And to do so with the gospel, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer, the ultimate answer uh, for every societal problem. I do believe that. Uh, I'm not trying to knock anyone who who's, uh, believes it's very important to, you know, uh, to do to do politics, to try and, and, and combat various issues using a variety of techniques to combat them. But I do believe that ultimately the real answer for racism, for example, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I believe that all of our societal problems are ultimately a direct result of the fall of mankind and of the fact that we have a heart that is deceitful, a heart that is wicked, and we need a new heart and we need Jesus Christ in our hearts to give us that new perspective and that new nature, a nature in which we... uh, are reflecting Christ and 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 have a an inward desire to please God and have his power working in us to live out a Christian life. I do believe uh, that ultimately the gospel has the most profound impact on combating any societal issue. And so I think that for us as Christians, while I'm again all for addressing whatever issues, and I, I have uh, people that I know that are heavily engaged in combating human trafficking, that are combating abortion, that are combating uh, you know different aspects of brokenness in our society, and I'm all for it. But I do believe as a pastor that the ultimate message, the ultimate solution that will have the most impact as it relates to any issue is a relationship with Jesus Christ and of the gospel because the gospel's the answer ultimately for racial harmony and racial reconciliation. Now the Bible teaches that that God, you know, created us uh, male and female created us in his image and it's also clear that he created us to have lighter skin tones, darker skin tones, to have different races, to have different ethnicities, different languages, different cultures. And the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Christianity, people often say, oh, Christianity is so exclusive. But in reality, the message of the gospel is very inclusive. You see, people mistake and, and think that, that Christianity is, a, is a, a Western religion or a white man's religion, but quite the contrary, Christianity really uh, is, is, is every man's religion. It's, it's meant for every person. It's meant for every race, every culture, every language. And, and Christianity started right at the geographical center of the world, at the heart of the Middle East, and, and it has been 
Through the centuries, the momentum of the gospel has been spreading to different continents, different cultures, different ethnicities. And sometimes as Christians, I feel like we put our heads in the sand to the reality of of racial uh, tension uh, by saying, well, in Christ, we're, we're just one race, the human race. And certainly, we're, we're all part of the human race, absolutely. But we also need to celebrate the beauty of our diversity, recognize that God's the one who created that. And if you look in the Bible in Revelation chapter 7, you get a picture of what worship in heaven is going to look like. And John, who writes Revelation 7, makes a point of acknowledging that we're going to have different people with different uh, you know, backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures and languages worshiping God, worshiping, worshiping him uh, for who he is and, and for what he's all about and what he's done for all of us. And so the biblical passage I I felt in my heart to present to you this week from Ephesians 2, it kind of comes out of, you know, uh, grasping what the gospel has done, what Jesus did on the cross to help bring us together to be one, ultimately one group, one people. In a sense, there is a parallel between what, you know, uh, ultimately I believe is beautiful about America and what the church has been mandated to live out. You know, um, you know, America is, is, is a mixture. It's a, a nation of, of people that come from all over the world to be part of this nation. You know, I think back to when president Ronald Reagan gave a speech and, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but basically, you know, uh, he quotes someone who says, you know, I can, I can, I can go to France, but I can't be a Frenchman. I can go to needless other countries, you know, and God bless all countries um, in the world. But I can go here, but I can't ever, I can't ever be, uh, you know, immersed fully to become one of those of those uh, countries. And then he says, "But I, if I can come to America." I can become an American. And I think there's some truth to that. And for me personally, that strikes a chord because um, on on my mother's side of the family, my Colombian Cuban side, um, my grandparents immigrated legally to the United States. And my grandmother, who um, happened to be from Cuba, she left Cuba for what she expected was going to be a brief time to go to Colombia to do some missions work. And during that time, Fidel Castro uh, took over power and cut, cut the country off from the rest of the world. And my grandmother was not able to return to Cuba and see her family for many years. And, you know, out of that launched a sequence of events that led to my grandparents uh, coming to this country in the 1970s. And I would not be here were it not for that. So I am, I'm an American today because of, of immigrants like, you know, my grandparents. And so as well as I'm, you know, ultimately, Hey, on my dad's side too, ultimately they immigrated to the United States, um, you know, generations ago, as did every American ultimately. So that's the beauty of America, but America has had a, a, a history of continuing to have issues over race and the church the church is meant to be the embodiment of what diversity and unity ethnically and racially is supposed to look like and in ephesians 2 as paul's writing to an audience that you've got jews and gentiles that 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 hate each other that have been separated from each other that look down on each other and the gospel of jesus christ brings those two groups together and notice ephesians 2 says that jesus himself is our peace and and i believe that ultimately 
Uh, the key to having white and black Christians, to having uh, Hispanics and Asian, uh, you know, Christians of, of all different ethnicities, to be able to to have real unity and, and, and also to celebrate our diversity, it's to always have Jesus to be himself our peace. And in order for that to happen, uh, I believe it's very important that we as Christians are willing to listen to one another, that we are willing to consider where one another comes from, you know, your background, what you go through, you know, your perspective on things, you know, recognizing that your perspective on things may be different than my perspective on things. And then that's okay. I heard a powerful quote from a man named John Perkins who said this, there is no reconciliation until you recognize the dignity of the other, until you see their view, you have to enter into the pain of the people. And you have got to feel their need. And an exercise that I saw back in my Christian college days that I think really exhibited that was a special cultural uh, racial workshop that was held at our school periodically where you had a panel of, of different, uh, you know, racial groups coming together on the stage to, to you know, speak their heart, to share their experiences, to, to, to share their perspective to other fellow believers in Christ. And I was struck by just even the subtle racism that so many of them experienced in the church. And when I say the church, I'm talking about in the church that preaches the Bible, that's filled with you know, uh, Jesus following, Jesus uh, professing loving Christians, and yet they were experiencing racism. They were experiencing, um, you know, feeling ostracized, and in and and often in subtle ways, not in explicit ways. And so, even though white and black Christians see the issue of race and of racism and how bad is racism and and to what extent or level is there racism in our country and 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 what should be done about it i think you'll find very wide uh perspectives on that that are very different but we have lost the art of being willing to conversate of being willing to listen to one another and and to really consider where where someone is coming from and i do believe that a huge step forward for us as the church to come together instead of mirroring the world and mirroring the society in which we live, but rather to stand out, to speak up, to be the salt and be the light in the world that it so desperately needs, to be an example of the kind of racial reconciliation and healing and harmony that can come through the gospel. We have to be willing to conversate, to really listen to one another. We have to be willing to truly exhibit the, the the love that Jesus called us to have for one another and to pray for each other and 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 ultimately to resolve that even if we may not necessarily agree on everything about about what's going on in the world uh, we're going to do battle together side by side uh, because the reality is that if you love Jesus then you are called to love your fellow uh, brother or sister you're called to love your fellow black uh, sister in Christ. You're called to love your fellow Asian brother in Christ. We are called to remember that according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we're not still male, we're not still female, we're not still Jew, we're not still Greek, we're not still white, we're not still black, we're not still Hispanic, we're not still Asian. Uh, doesn't mean that, doesn't mean we don't have differences, doesn't mean that, again, that God hasn't intentionally given us those differences, but it does mean that through Jesus Christ, we're all on the same footing. We all have been saved by the same Savior, and we've been called to see one another as brother and sister, as one family through which the healing power of Jesus can be displayed to a world that is restless and that is longing and looking for solutions and answers to the biggest problems of our society. And yes, I believe that we have the greatest opportunity of a lifetime to be the shining city on a hill, a city of diversity yet of harmony and Christian love that would bind us together even with our different races, our different backgrounds, our different ways of seeing things and of seeing the world around us, I believe that we have the opportunity of a lifetime to confound the world by displaying what the gospel of Jesus Christ can do to bring racial harmony and reconciliation. And I, for one, want and hope and pray that we can be up to the challenge And instead of putting our heads in the sand, instead of of refusing to acknowledge this issue or of trying to, of to, uh, feeling like we have to get on one extreme or the other to, to really properly and biblically address this issue. But I do believe that a good starting point for all of us is summed up in the words here of Pastor Samuel Rodriguez with something he posted recently on his Instagram, which is simply this Every human life is sacred, every person is is created in the image of God. Every individual has God-ordained purpose. Every one of us carry the responsibility to champion all the above, demanding justice when these truths stand violated. And then he put the hashtag, womb to the tomb. And I believe all of us who follow Jesus Christ and to uphold the scriptures as the ultimate authority by which we are called to live can agree on that statement. Maybe we can start there. I'm sure we'll be talking about this as well as many other related issues that stem from it in coming episodes of this show. But I hope and pray that you are encouraged, convicted, and blessed. And I encourage you, lastly, with the admonition that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, for you to stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.